everyone, how are we today? Welcome from what now feels like the Catalyst Vineyard glamping pod. I feel like I'm about to go off on a wee glamping holiday here. It's a, it's a very plush indeed. Um, I was just saying to the tech team as well, we should get one of those. You know when the television used to cut out when the signal got lost and the little picture of the little girl with the weird creepy clown came up? We should reenact one of those for Catalyst Vineyard. So I'd love you to put in the comments, which of our staff team members would you like to see fulfilling the roles of the girl and the clown? And we will make that happen. That's it. I, I actually can't promise that. That's not my promise. But wouldn't it be amazing? Um, we are carrying on in our series today and growing up. We've been looking at the last little while for um, truth in the scripture about how do we take our own relationships with God? How do we grow and mature? How do we grab it for ourselves rather than waiting for somebody else to come and help our relationship with God get better? How do we take accountability and ownership? And we've been looking at lots of things like prayer and the fruits of the Spirit and lots of different areas as to how we can mature and grow in our faith. And so today... We are looking at the topic of joy. As Troy McClure would say, there's a wee Simpsons reference for the over 30s. I don't know, is the Simpsons still even going? But as Troy McClure would say, you might remember joy from such things as joy to the world. Uh, I've got that joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Maybe the ironically named band Joy Division. Um, but we hear a lot about joy, don't we? We hear a lot about joy. The dictionary would define joy as this, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Here? No? Are we good? We're on. There we go. <laughs> Welcome. I don't know how far I got there. You just missed the best joke you've ever heard in your life. I'm so sorry. I don't have time to repeat it, but you can ask me afterwards. But today we're looking at joy. What is joy? The dictionary would define joy as this, the feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But I think today when we delve into the scripture, there is so much more to joy than just a feeling more than a coming and going sensation that kind of changes depending on the winds of how life is going for us. It's great when it's great. It's terrible when it's terrible. I think in this book today, there's truth for us to discover about a joy that lasts the course of time. And so we're going to dive in to today's passage. And the, the questions that we're going to ask today is, how does the Bible define joy? And then how on earth do I find more joy in my life? And we're going to be doing that from John chapter 15 verse 9 to 17. Let me just pray as we read. God, we pray that the words in this book this morning would be filled with life, Lord. That as they land in our laps, in our hearts, in our minds, that you would speak to us, Lord, that our lives would be radically impacted by what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. John chapter 15, we'll start at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So in order for us to understand how is joy attained uh, and applied in our lives, we have to begin to understand like what is this joy that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about putting his joy within us and our joy being complete uh, within us. And so we, we want to understand like what is joy? And I think to do that, we have to kind of put this passage into a bit of context. This is coming towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. It's like his farewell tour. He's walking with his disciples and he's chatting to them. He knows that his death is coming. He knows that he's about to go to the cross and then he's about to be resurrected. And then he's about to go and be with the Father in heaven. And so these words that he is speaking to the disciples are like his gold dust that he's leaving with them. They aren't just frivolous throwaways. Hey, mate, how you doing? This is like, guys, you need to listen to this. This is the thing that's going to help you continue to thrive and survive when I am no longer here. He wants them to to dig this truth right into the core of their hearts, plant it somewhere that will last when he's not right there in front of them anymore. And the original Greek word that is used for joy, the original translation of it is a word called kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara. Kara in the New Testament is virtually always associated with a feeling that is related to spiritual reality and not circumstance. It speaks of an inner gladness, a deep-seated pleasure, a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. And it's that cheerful heart that causes a cheerful response from us. Joy isn't just a feeling, it's a part of God's very essence. It's a part of who he is and how he operates. We see that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when they're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Joy, kara, is described as one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the things that flows out from us when the Holy Spirit is alive and at work within us. Joy. In Acts chapter 13, Paul and Silas are being persecuted by the Jewish leaders in Antioch. They're being run out of town. Everyone's saying, what you're speaking is nonsense. Get out of here. We don't want to hear anything you've got to say. And as they go and they shake the dust from their feet, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and kara, joy. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul introduces that letter by saying that uh, they, they welcomed the good news of the gospel and amongst extreme persecution and suffering with the joy kara given by the Spirit. This word joy pops up in all these places where you maybe wouldn't expect to find it. Persecution, trouble, difficulty, joy. One of the commentators puts it like this. Joy is the deep down sense of well-being that abides in the heart of a person that knows all is well between themselves and the Lord. Joy is the deep down sense of well-being that abides in the heart of a person that knows that all is well between themselves and the Lord. This joy, this heavenly gift for us as followers of Jesus is not a feeling that comes and goes with circumstance and what's going on around about us, but instead like a wellspring that comes up from within us, placed within us by Jesus himself for our great encouragement, our deep satisfaction and our fulfillment. Joy is so much more than a feeling. Now, for all you 80s rock fans, I'm sorry, but the points that go along with 80s rock songs end there. I did try and find a two and three of other 80s rock songs, but it's more than a feeling is where it ends. Um, 
So if we know that this is the kind of joy that Jesus is talking about, not a flitting feeling, but a deep sense of knowing all is well between us and the Father, then how on earth do we discover that kind of joy in our lives? Thankfully, Jesus makes it really, really clear in the first couple of passage, in the first couple of verses of this passage. Verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That's part one. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Part two, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It would appear that there's two key ingredients then to discovering real deep-seated joy in our life. Number one, remain in the father's love. Number two, obey his commands. And I think you can almost boil that down into a little bit more simplicity as well. Number one, submit. And number two, obey. I know what you're thinking. Submission and obedience, they're the kind of happy-go-lucky words that I often associate with joy. When I'm like, oh, I need a wee bit more joy in my life. I wonder where I can submit and obey a little bit more. It doesn't feel natural. But I think what Jesus is saying here cuts across our very perception of joy. It's not about take, 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 and hopefully we'll be more happy. But actually, it's in the submission and the obedience that we find the crossroads meets joy. So the first part is this, remain in my love, submit to the Father. That's kind of like that I'm here and I'm ready part of it. As we give ourselves afresh into his arms, as we throw ourselves into his love, and as we bring our love, all that we have to give to him, we find the first part of the journey towards joy. Jesus makes it really clear in those verses, doesn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and obey my commands. Submission is the laying down of our own personal needs, our wants, our desires, anything that would distract us from being fully present with the Father. I don't know about you, but often in our household, I'll be busy doing something, especially because the Euros have been on recently. I'll be watching away and I'll be aware that there's a conversation being aimed in my general direction somewhere in the background, but I'm not fully present in the conversation. And what normally happens is I get snapped back into it with a, are you even listening to me from the kids or from Sarah? And I said this this morning at the live service. I said, who knows that? And basically every guy in the room put their hand up and all the ladies were like, yes, we are aware that you do not listen and you're very easily distracted. Um, but that, that kind of happens. And then what, what I don't realize is that I've agreed to give the kids ice cream before dinner. They've been like, dad, can we have ice cream? I'm like, yeah, 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 go for it. Or Sarah said, hey, will you do this big DIY project? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. No problem at all because I'm totally not focused on the conversation. Submission looks like putting down the distractions, giving the Lord our full attention, bringing him our full capacity for love, for adornment, for um, uh, concentration, squeezing out every drop for him because he is so, so worth it. I guess a great question for us to ask ourselves today, and maybe an uncomfortable one, would be, when did Father God last have our full attention? We live in a world where everything is vying for our attention. We have phones in our hands. We have TVs in our living rooms. We have adverts and fear and anxiety and a global pandemic going on. And it would be so easy to be distracted. 
maybe the first step of remaining in the Father's love is choosing to give him our full attention afresh. Hand in hand with remaining in his love is obedience. As we fully submit to his presence, as we fully submit to him, as we fully uh, choose to pour ourselves into his love and to remain in that place of being known and loved by the Father, we can expect that he will be speaking to us. It would be really weird if we turned up and he just silently looked at us like, oh, you're here. Uh, don't quite know what to do with that. He's our father. He's desperate for conversation. He longs to speak words of encouragement and delight, sometimes challenge, sometimes direction. We can expect that when we remain in his love, that we will hear his voice. And then hand in hand with that is that when he asks us to go, we go. When he calls us to go, we must go. Love our neighbors as, our, as we love ourselves. And what Jesus is explaining in this passage is, as we've remained in his love, as we hear his voice, as we obey his commands, at that point when we choose to sacrificially give our time, our energy, our money, our resources, whatever we have in our pockets, that's where joy springs up from. Maybe you've seen something like that. Maybe you've led somebody to Jesus. Maybe you've stopped in the street to pray for somebody. Maybe you've felt that nudge from the Holy Spirit to go and do something, pray for somebody, talk to somebody. And in those moments, how often do we come away from that place feeling filled with joy because we know we've gone where the Father's asked us to go. We've listened and we've obeyed. It's kind of like submission and obedience are like what put us in sync with the Lord. As we submit and as we obey, it's like two key ingredients and the wellspring of that is joy. I was thinking about that this week and it just reminded me of one of these. I don't know if you've seen one of these before. I don't even know if you can see this, but I'm going to assume that you can. Maybe somebody from the tech team can give me a wave if you can see it. All right, I've got a thumbs up. Great. But it's a Newton's cradle and I imagine it to look a bit like this. You put submission in one side and obedience in the other side and it's like submission, obedience, submission, obedience, submission, obedience, in sync with the Father. Joy can spring from that place. Yet we can so often go looking for it in the wrong places, can't we? This global pandemic has demonstrated that. I looked up some stats this week to see where have we gone looking for our joy during a global pandemic. And I can almost tell you exactly where that's happened. Amazon's profits were up 38% for 2020. Their revenue was $386 billion last year. $386 billion. That's a yearly increase of over $100 billion. Netflix had almost 37 million new subscribers in 2020. That's their highest increase in a year ever. Here's a good one. The Kingfisher Group that operate B&Q and Screwfix profits went up by 7.2% to £12.3 billion in 2020. For some of us, we thought, if I just buy one more thing, if I just escape into one more series, if I just have my house looking a certain way, maybe then I'll feel that joy that I'm looking for. And hey, you might have done for a few moments, but did it last? I know for me, when I've done any of those things over lockdown, it's not left me with a deep sense of assurance that I'm with the Father. For others of us, it might have come out in different ways. The fear and anxiety might have caused us to react in anger or frustration, to speak unkindly to the ones around us. 
Maybe for others, we chased a different kind of joy, watching porn, chasing relationships that we knew weren't healthy for us. It's easy to chase joy in the wrong places. We can get so caught up in pursuing it that we miss the simple formula that actually brings us real lasting joy. Remain in the Father's love. Obey his commands. Joy. When we get out of sync with the Father, we lose our rhythm. We lose our purpose. We lose our certainty. We lose our joy. We'll have all felt that when we've made mistakes or chased the wrong things. We get that churning feeling that all is not well between us and the Father. That's why grace is so important. I love in the parable of the prodigal son when the son goes away and does his own thing and blows away all of his inheritance. And when he comes back, you would expect him to come back to a lecture from the father or at the very least like a let's analyze this and make sure we don't make the same mistake again. But what he returns to is a father with arms wide open, just so delighted that his son has come home. Hey, if you're in a place today where you're feeling out of sync with the father, if you're feeling churned up and a bit lost and purposeless and feeling like that mutant's cradle is crashing into each other, bring yourself afresh to the Lord this morning and there is grace, grace and more grace. Maybe today there's a fresh moment for us to submit to the Lord, to fall afresh into his arms, whether we're full of energy or tired and weary. May we be a people who know how to remain in his love. And maybe in that place of remaining in his love, we start to feel that certainty of knowing his voice, of knowing who he is, of knowing what he's asking us to do. And as we obey and submit and go, joy wells up in that place. It's like a little sum. Remain in his love, obey his commands, equals joy. So if joy is more than a feeling, and it doesn't come cheaply, it comes with a sacrifice. We don't just stumble upon it, we can't manufacture it. The other thing about it is, is that it is powerful. Not only does the discovery of joy change our own internal dialogue and our own certainty in the rock that we stand upon, but it also becomes a powerful agent for change in the world around us. Jesus says this in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, a fruit that will last. And oh my goodness, did those disciples bear some fruit from that place of joy. They sought God day and night in the upper room when Jesus went to be with the Father. They pursued him and then the Holy Spirit came and it was like the joy was complete within them. They remained in the Father's love. Then they obeyed his command and this joy sprung up within them. Not like a giddy, happy feeling, but a certainty of all being well between them and the Father. And they took the wonderful, incredible, good news of salvation into the world immediately around about them and not under easy circumstances. I think about James, who was put to death at the sword of Herod for speaking the good news. I think about Peter, who was beaten up and put in prison and eventually killed. I think about Stephen, who preached that wonderful sermon in the Sanhedrin calling people to Jesus and was taken outside and stoned and in Stephen's story in particular I think we get a little um, snapshot of what that joy looks like played out in reality in Acts chapter 7 verse 55 Stephen has just 
called the whole of the leaders and the whole Sanhedrin to follow Jesus. He said that he's the way, the truth, the life. He's called them into it. And they're, they're calling him a heretic and they're taking him outside to be stoned. And just as the stoning is happening and he knows he's drawing his final few breaths on earth, this is what Stephen sees, Acts 7.55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is absolutely sure that all is well with him and the Lord. He is certain about who the Father is and where he is going. He knows that as this moment comes, he is going home. That definition from the start feels so appropriate here. He has a deep down sense of well-being that abides in his heart because he knows that all is well between himself and the Lord. And what was the fruit then from these joy-filled followers of Jesus originally? Well, it's us. It's the church today. The tens became hundreds, became thousands, became millions, became billions of people around the world who have given their lives to Jesus and followed him. Joy was like the food for the fruit, the fuel in the tank, the fertilizer that caused the whole thing to grow. They went into even the most dangerous places because they knew joy. Last summer, uh, I took up running more intentionally than I've ever done in my life. And I ran 100 miles in August, did this challenge to run 100 miles. And at the start of it, I thought, this is a really easy challenge. I broke it down. Five kilometers a day means 100 miles across August. And I was like, I can run five kilometers a day. I was a sport and physical activity student. That's a walk in the park. Um, about a week into it, I realized I'd made an absolutely grave error. Uh, and the moment I knew that had happened was when I was lying in an ice bath that I'd poured for myself. And at what I think was every single muscle in my body was aching at that point. Uh, and I realized I made a terrible error. That day as well, I'd also gone for a run and I'd eaten a curry the night before. And I had a stitch and I was in absolute agony. And I'd basically crawled over the last few meters of my five kilometers for that day. I realized if I was going to make it to the end of this challenge, something would have to change. And so I started eating a bit more healthily and eating at sensible times of the day and putting stuff in the tank that was good. And what I realized was that quite quickly, I felt more comfortable. I felt more fit. I felt like I was enjoying my running more. And actually, I could run even further than I did before when I had the right stuff in the tank. I think Jesus is saying today that joy is the fuel in our tank. Joy is the fertilizer that makes the fruit in our lives grow. And so a great question for us to ask is, are we filled with real joy? And I think the order in this passage is so interesting. Firstly, he talks about what is joy and how do we find it? And then he goes on to speak about the fruit. It's the fruit comes from the place of joy. The joy comes first. See, I don't think that Jesus' plan is to have a church full of uh, grumpy, unhappy people who are just doing what we need to do because we feel like we have to. I don't think that's Jesus' plan for his church at all. I think his A-game plan is that his church would be filled with joy, a deep knowledge that all is well between us and the Father, and from that place of real joy springing up within us, a spiritual gift of joy, that is where we bear fruit from. That's where we take the good news into the world. That's where we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's where we give sacrificially. That's where we, that's where we see fruit popping up in our lives when we know joy. 
And so are we operating from a place of remaining in the Father's love and moving with the whisper of his voice? If not, there's always going to be a futility about what we do. We'll always run out, burn out, run dry, get grumpy, get cross, get frustrated with the people around us. But when we know real joy, that is the breeding ground for amazing fruitfulness in our lives. And that's the kind of joy that's available for each of us today. Nobody's excluded. We just have to follow those two really simple commands of Jesus. Remain in the Father's love and obey his commands. Why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, would you come? We long to know that kind of joy, Lord. We want to be a people who are so filled with that kind of joy, a deep assurance, a deep contentment of who we are because we know that all is well between us and you. And so maybe this morning is just an amazing opportunity to just hand over afresh anything that would hold us back from the fullness of remaining in his love and any distraction that would hold us back from fully obeying his commands. You might even want to just pass that over just now. I'm looking at my phone and I think, oh, how often does my phone get my attention over my fullness of attention for the Lord? God, we just want to give it all over to you. We want to be fully present with you, fully remaining in your love fully submitted to you, Lord. And as we put in those two ingredients, Lord, a submission to you and an obeying of your commands, would we see real joy spring up within our lives, the kind of joy that fertilizes fruit way beyond our knowledge or our understanding, where we see tens become hundreds, become thousands of people who know you because they experience your joy. Amen.